Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Eagles fans, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II, and I'm joined by none other than our Philadelphia Eagles insider, John McMullen. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Also, most importantly, please make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to the network. It helps the content grow and also helps a lot more people get active in those live chats that you guys love to get active in. Now, John. <laughs> Um, I appreciate you as always for taking time off for the show. I know you're a busy man. I know the Philadelphia Eagles always run you rampant. But first and foremost, before we get too deep into the content of today, how are you feeling, sir? Doing well. Good to see you, Tone. Uh, Likewise. Yeah. Uh, nine days after 32 to nine embarrassments, uh, the Eagles finally had their end of season press conference and. Even that, they were 30 minutes late. So, yeah, it's been kind of a, you know, what are they going to do? Um, how are they going to handle it? And obviously they decided to blow out both coordinators. Now, we knew Sean Desai was going to be out. but uh, And there's going to be plenty of other assistants still to go. But, uh, yeah, it certainly seems like Nick Sirianni's been stripped of uh, significant power as many of us uh, uh, speculated, um, you're going to have a new defensive coordinator, likely Vic Fangio, a new offensive coordinator who's going to be in charge of the offense. And the offense is probably the bigger part of the equation simply because 
Nick Sirianni has been very, very consistent. I asked him this in the press conference. He has said, as long as I'm here, this is my offense and this is going to be my offense. Well, my turned into our uh, today. And it's one word, but it speaks volumes because it's coming directly from the top. And anybody who doesn't think that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, man, you you said a lot in such a short amount of time. Um, and I want to try to go through the press conference with you um, as much as we possibly can. Um, a lot was said, but, you know, let's just start with, you know, the last thing you said, right? This offense and it being our, how our went from my, and now all of a sudden it's our. Um, I want to get, I, I want to get the pulse of the room. You said they were about 30 minutes late. What was the temperature of the room uh, amongst yourself and your colleagues? Uh, what was some of the chatter that what was some of the chatter that you were hearing um, through the grapevine as you waited um, for Nick Sirianni and Harry Roseman to make their appearance? I, that's not that's not that rare. They're typically late, maybe a okay. little bit more than. Uh, uh, but you know, from our perspective, we're just there to gather information. It really doesn't, you know. Um, affect us that much but um as far as you know the temperature i would say we don't care so um <laughs> that part of it is not really relevant uh, as John, far, I, love you, man. I love you man well as far as the temperature of those two i think you saw it from the start you, you can go back to any howie roseman nick sirianni press conference and we now that we would make jokes about because there always would be giggles and little sophomoric jokes. None of that today for the first time. Um, so that's something that was very noticeable and a clear indication that um, they're on to a different phase of their relationship and it was more strictly business. Um, and I think, you know, you saw a head coach that was neutered uh to put mm. it kindly so you know and stripped of of some of his power um and and you know i i've called him jason garrett at this point um when jerry jones stripped jason garrett of play calling and he became what he became and that was a figurehead you know because you're gonna have a Head coach of the defense, Vic Bangio. You're going to have a head coach of the offense, whomever, insert name. <clears throat> and then you're going to have Nick Sirianni uh, to handle press conferences. But, you know, John, I got to ask you, you because you've covered this game for a long time and I truly lean, lean on your expertise. How often have you how often have you have you seen this model actually succeed? I mean, you compared it to Jason Garrett, you know, uh, Formerly in, not, in, yeah, in Dallas. Not, How sustainable is this model? It's not sustainable. This is the death throes of the Nick Sirianni era. It's not sustainable. With no power, CEO coach is fine, but you have to have power. Um, in fact, I'd prefer a CEO coach, which is what Nick had been to this point. But now he's being dictated to. Can't have this coach. Can't have this coach. Not going to work. Where's the line drawn? In the power structure, then is it is it is it strictly with hires? Is it 
uh, does he have any? Will do you anticipate him having any kind of real influence in the building in in any kind of way? <clears throat> well, if you go back to the end of the Doug Peterson era, you heard the same buzzwords: um, new ideas, stagnant, outside the organization. Um, same thing. And Doug, you know, basically said, "All right, see ya." And the only difference is Nick stayed and you know he makes seven million dollars a year so um it's understandable but and i'm sure he'll do his best to um reprove himself is the word he used um and 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 maybe he does um but look for the most part jeffrey laurie is a very good owner um and when you compare him to other owners, he's very good. There's no – I'm not coming off that. But when it comes to um, coaching in situations like this, he, he, he overreaches. And I think we're at that point, again, where he's overreached. And, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you save it? I don't think you can save it, but we're going to go through it. And we're going to see. Um, but ultimately, I expect Nick to go into this season as a lame duck. I expect it not to go well. And I expect him to be out um, next year. And they'll be looking for a new head coach. Why prolong the inevitable then? Is this strictly for appearances? <clears throat> Is this like we understand that the Eagles care a lot about uh, their PR? We care about We understand that. But again, why? Well, why, I think why how go we, through this uh, frustration? Why go through this whole process at this point? Like you said, it's not sustainable. We've never seen it. We've never seen it um, sustained. Why even go through all this? Why not just move on? Well, I think part of it is more than PR. How do you look inside the league? How do you look to your peers? And how we mentioned they were thirty-three and eleven up up to the point where they kind of fell off the rails with Nick. Made the playoffs, obviously, three straight years. Um, and it's hard, he said, it's hard to find somebody who can do those sort of things. I mean, and it is. Uh, if there aren't. It, it, I mean, sorry to interrupt, John. Yes, it is. It's also find a, a head coach that's capable of winning you a Super Bowl, but you still got rid of him as well. So, I mean, how, how, how much stock can we put into that statement? Well, they kept him, so that's where the stock comes from. Um, it's true. They, they ultimately they, did keep him four more years, or three more years, excuse me. They, um. Uh, they they could have fired him they probably should have fired him um if they were going if they want to go about it this way that they're going about it they probably should have fired him right um but they didn't want to for whatever reason um and you know now you're forcing coaches that he doesn't know um is not comfortable with uh, versus coaches he's loyal to doesn't make a lot of sense um, to me. Now, if you don't believe in the coach, fire the coach. That's fine. But to straddle the fence like this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Agreed. It kind of reminds me of the Sean Desai situation. I mean, they straddled the fence instead of just making the decision. You know, the, the, the reality is if you've lost trust in me to – complete certain tasks if i work for you john and you tell me to do a b and c and i can't accomplish a b and c 
and then you start to take away, my, take away my responsibilities at that point, you've lost faith in me. You've lost trust in me. Therefore, how am I still how am I still on your staff? How am I still working for you? Is it just because you like paying me? It can't be that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, yeah. I I mean, look, you hire a coach to do a job. Nick said that. Well, we're gonna hire a coach to do a job. Which is it? Um, you're hiring a coordinator to do a job, but you don't have a head coach to do the job, um, as he sees fit. There's contradictions all over the place. Um, mm. And look, it's a blind spot. We've been through it before. There's one Super Bowl winning coach um, in this team's history still, um, and they ran him out in three years, and they're doing the same thing with a guy who was the best winning percentage in franchise history. Um, and the guy who's made the playoffs three consecutive times, um, you know, the only difference is he didn't just walk out of Jeffrey Lurie's office and said, you know, what Doug, Doug said, no, I'm standing my ground. He said, okay, I'll do it your way. And, you know, that's a lot of, uh, hubris from jeffrey Lurie to assume because let's be honest this is jeffrey this is not even howie so you don't you don't have to blame howie um this is jeffrey Lurie telling him he needs new idea it's the exact same wording couldn't even change the wording new mm -hmm. ideas from outside the organization like to have the hubris to you know, the guy's worth $5 billion, so I'm not going to say <laughs> say he's not a smart guy. But uh, to have the hubris, most smart people know what they don't know. Jeffrey Lurie's been around this team and this organization for 30 years, but he, he can't pick coaches. You know, he might think he can because he's had some success um, – with, with hiring head coaches. Um, but when it comes to assistance and when it comes to the nuts and bolts um, and position coaches, that's, that's a big ego to think you can do that. You know, one of the things I always say about fans, they, they talk about assistant coaches with such conviction and certainty. Like I know Big Bangio is great. Or I know Big Fangio's terrible. And yeah, it go down. Forget about coordinators. You know, Alex Tanney, Aaron Moorhead, position coaches. Come on. If you're being honest with yourself, I'm there every stinking day. I can't tell you. You don't know. I'm not talking about you, Tom. I don't understand. Um, no, Jeffrey doesn't know. He employs them. He thinks he knows, but, you know, it's his team. He can do whatever he wants. Um, that's not the issue. But to have the, the the ego to think you know better than, you gotta, than the guy you hired to do the job, if that's the case, you shouldn't want him. Well, how shocked were you? Because we talked about Brian Johnson's future in Philadelphia, and you were pretty, you were pretty sure he should be back, or you felt like he should be back. Let's put it that way: you felt like he should be back. Yeah. Um, and that clearly did not happen. How shocked were you? And also, 
in his firing, you know, I think about this. All year, Nick Sirianni kept saying, this is my offense. This is my offense. Don't blame Brian. This is my offense. So he was taking the bullets from Brian all year. Three years. Been saying it for three years. Right. That, that He wasn't taking bullets. That's He said the same thing when Shane was here. But Shane in has fact, success. In fact, and I just – I just looked up the quote because I, I, I'm, I'm going to write about, you know, it was the summer of, of 2022 and it was really a discussion um, uh, about play design, play calling, because people make such a, a big deal out of play calling. And, and Nick was always like, you know, most of that stuff, he's been very consistent. Most of that stuff is done during the week as you're game planning. And, you know, Nick, obviously it's Nick's offense. He's got final say and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, he, and he would often say, you know, that's when he would say, this is my offense. And it, it, so he said, no matter if it's Kevin Petulo is calling it, Shane Steichen's calling it, Brian Johnson is calling it, Jeff Stoutland's calling it. Jason Michael, and this is Nick talking. Jason Michael's calling it. Jonathan Gannon comes over and calls it. Howie calls it from up there. Jeffrey Lurie, Dom DeSanjo, Julian Lurie. It's my offense. And as long as I'm here, it's going to be my offense. Okay. Well, I'm, and he said, I'm very particular and I know what I believe in in the passing and running game and offensive football. Well, and and that that was just an example because he made a big joke out of running everybody's name down in the organization to try to prove a point. Um, and all of a sudden, he, he said that at least 15, 20 times to us over three years. Same sentiment. And now all of a sudden, it's no longer my it's our offense that's why i feel like shane i mean not shane um brian johnson that's why i feel like he and you talked about this briefly um not today but previously in the previous shows we've done you know in the jeffrey Lowry saga there's always going to be scapegoats somewhere and when i think about brian johnson's situation with especially when you couple that with nick sirianni constantly ripping and running around the building that this is his this is his offense more so particularly this year um, where we all really paid attention to it. Um, and, you, and Brian Johnson gets fired. It's like, so wait, was Brian Johnson at fault for what went down or was it Nick Sirianni? And then when you add in, oh, we want fresh ideas. Okay, but I thought these, but I thought these ideas were Nick Sirianni's ideas. So which is it? Now I'm confused. And I think this goes back to your point about there's just been a lot of contradictions, a lot of, you know, yeah. left and well, right. Well, you know, uh, first of all, Brian Johnson is a walking contradiction and the fact that, Again, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson didn't even have a relationship um, before Brian Johnson was hired by the Philadelphia Eagles. So Brian was found by Howie Roseman. <clears throat> then he interviewed with Nick Sirianni to be the quarterback's coach, um, and Nick hired him, um, and he became the shooting star in the organization, very similar to Press Taylor, uh, who wasn't even here uh, who who was here before Doug Peterson got here, and Doug took a liking to him, mm. and but he was here. He was hired by Chip Kelly. 
and he was a shooting star in the organization. He found the Philly special. He was the one who found that play, put it in the offense, um, or got it put in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brian, similar, you know, he was he had opportunities to be offensive coordinator in other places last year, most notably Carolina. Um, and the Eagles knew that, and they didn't want to lose him, so they promoted. Corrupt and Nick, Kevin Petula would have been the offensive coordinator. Ah, okay. Now we're getting somewhere here. So, um, so it's kind of ironic. <laughs> and all of a sudden, same thing happened to Press Taylor. You know, you tell me for two years this guy's brilliant, 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 brilliant scapegoat, scapegoat. Come on, Jeff. I mean, he's got a blind spot when it comes to coaches and assigning blame. Bottom line, he's got a blind spot. Wow. So let's put let's just let's just run down it real quick. So Brian Nick Brian Johnson isn't even a Nick Sirianni guy. And 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 in fact the matter is he was given the position um outside of Nick Sirianni's wishes. So basically, Nick Sirianni had a guy calling plays for him that he felt that maybe he didn't feel truly understood his vision the way Kevin Petula would. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, that's fair to say, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, and, I don't, I'm, and I don't want to assume what you're no, trying to say. I just want to no, understand. No. Um, I just, you know, him and Kevin are really close. Just, right. Um, it's just as simple as that. But as far as... um. Brian was operating under the same scale of shame in that he was running Nick Sirianni's. He was calling plays for Nick Sirianni's offense. Um, So, you know, it's, if you don't like the play calling and, and again, I always say nobody judges play calls. They judge play results. You're judging play results. Um, Spine. They were still a top 10 offense. You know, Brian will be fine. He'll he'll get another job, and he got some head coaching interviews, and he got some experience. But he was clearly scapegoated, um, and that's what happens. Same thing has happened to Mike Rowe, happened to Press Taylor. Um, that's what the Eagles do when they don't reach expectations. What were your instant reactions when? Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni, um, more so in particular, Harry Roseman. What were your reactions or your instant reactions when they addressed um, questions related to the defense? I feel like, um, you know, they were asked uh, quite a few um, and pertains to Sean Desai, um, you know, the linebacker position as it pertains to Kobe Dean. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what were some of your instant reactions um, based off what you heard um, in regards to the Eagles defense? Well, I think, I think Howie's a little bit, uh, defensive about the linebacker position i can tell i watched that i watched that um, thing twice you know as far as that um, that that part and he looked he seemed to me very um i don't have a problem he he doesn't want to give up on the kobe dean i get it um you know it's got to be concerns over his durability um but he could still turn into a good player he's got talent then he mentioned Zach Cunningham had a good year, which he did for the most part. But he wasn't even here till August 9th or August 10th, and he was brought in because, along with Miles Jack, because 
the other linebackers you brought to training camp weren't getting the job done. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people pointed Baltimore and San Francisco, um, and they have great linebackers and it's the best team in the AFC, best team in the NFC. We'll, we'll see if they reach the Super Bowl. It's not about that. I mean, I, yeah, they do, they do happen to have good linebackers, both of those teams. But I think a lot of people are correlating. Well, they're winning because of their linebackers. Well, Baltimore has Lamar Jackson and, right. you know, Kyle Hamilton and Justin Tucker and a hundred good players. And so does San Francisco. But, but it also helps having reliability or stability at the position, right? Well, you yeah. Um, you can't play poorly, but, you know. I'm, and I've criticized the Eagles for TJ. TJ Edwards better than Patrick Queen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. TJ Edwards is better than Drake Greenlaw. Um, Eagles fans don't think so. Um, and they gave up on him. You know, they need to get better. But, you know, Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. Roquan Smith is a great linebacker. Um, the other guys are okay. They got bigger names. Patrick was a first round pick, but he makes plenty of mistakes. Dre makes plenty of mistakes. Um, they're better than what the Eagles have, but it's not like they're the reason those teams are winning. Um, they just happen to have good players at those positions. Um, the Eagles have had good players in the past. Um, they just, don't value the position and they've taken it too far. I, that, that the, the, the overriding theory that you have to um, value certain positions more than others, the Eagles are correct on. They just taken it a little bit too far. Right. And I, and, and, and I would agree with that. Right. I don't think you're wrong for valuing certain positions more than others. I think that's the nature of anything. Right. In any company, if you're building it from top to bottom, you're going to value certain departments more than others. Certain departments are going to be more or going to be responsible for certain, you know, um, levels of productivity and certain. You, you get my you get my point, John. So I guess what I'm asking you when it comes to the linebacker position with the Eagles. Right. Based on what Harry Roseman said. And again, he did come off defensive to me as well. Um, he also came off as a guy who maybe he's overestimating his own commitment to the quality of linebacker play. Um, I'm curious to know what, what, what your thoughts on that statement. Do you think he is overestimating his own commitment to that position? No, I, I think he knows. Um, you know, again, he didn't bring in Zach's the guy he mentioned. He didn't even bring him in until August. Um, and with Nicobe, they bet on Nicobe, and it came up empty because he only played five games um, and he got hurt. So, you know, if if Nicobe plays seventeen games, maybe we're not even having this conversation. 
Correct. Uh, because the Eagles think he's going to be uh, a good player. Now, I would argue in the five games he didn't play, he was okay. Uh, he did play. He was okay. He wasn't great. Maybe he would have gotten better with more playing time. But certainly I think going into this year, you, you don't have to give up on the Kobe Dean, but I also think you can't count on him. I think that would be a a, a poor decision. And, you know, when Vic Banjo gets here, you know, I'm sure he'll have some inputs on what he wants defensively. Um, Do you think Howie has too much faith in the Kobe Dean? Again, there's nothing wrong with, you know, saying, you know, he's, you know, we got to get him healthy. You well, know, everybody, everybody bets on their young players at certain points, certain okay. young players. The Eagles are no different than anybody else. So, you know, you, you give him an opportunity. Um, and I don't, if he doubles down this year with nothing behind him. And that's what I was about to say. My fear is he's putting all his eggs in that basket when yeah, so he, far he, he can't you know, do IR it. twice. I, I think he's too smart to do that. But if he does it, yeah, I'll be the first to criticize him. I think he's too smart. He knows there's durability issues now. So even if he thinks he can play, um, he's got to he's got to have a, a backup plan because of the durability issues. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Sean Desai, it seemed like both Harry Roseman and Nick Sirianni were trying to make it a point to drill that. You know, Sean Desai's demotion um, was done by way of Nick Sirianni. Me personally, I don't know how much I fully believe that, but I want to know when you heard them say that, when you saw, when you heard them drilling the idea that it came from Nick Sirianni and he just pretty much told Howie what his plan was and Howie just said, okay, how much are you really buying that? Um, yeah, well, I bought it at the time. So, I'm not backing off that, um, but I I don't I don't think it's it matters all that much from the perspective of it's not like even if Nick Sirianni woke up and by the way he started thinking about it at the bye week when the team was eight and one, um, which is absurd. By uh, why even share that information? But nonetheless. Um, Good question. Um, so from that perspective, that's one of the reasons why I think, um, I'm, I, yeah, I do think it was Nick's decision. But you can't make a decision like that without running it past the GM and the owner. Um, so they were involved either way. They could have said, you know, they could have talked him off the ledge, um, so to speak, and said, look, we're 8-1. You know, why are you thinking about this? We're 10, even when you're 10 and three, when they officially did it and they had taken away third down autonomy before that, um, even at 10 and three, they could have talked them off the ledge and said, look, you know, we're playing these crappy teams down the stretch. It's going to get a little bit better. And by the way, I think it would have been better if Sean stayed. Um, and they went in a different direction. It blew up on them. And like I said, for the people that wanted Nick Sirianni fired, I didn't even go to the offense. I, I start with that decision because that decision was a freaking disaster. Um, and that was 
a big, big mistake. Which big, decision? Which which decision are you are you still talking about the decide move? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big mistake. Okay. So <clears throat> it's funny. Everything that Nick Sirianni claims to have had his hands on failed. He claimed that he's responsible for this team culture and how it's built and how they and, and, and things like that. Your culture failed you in the end. He claims that this offense is his offense and he's responsible for what's going on out there. Okay, that failed you in the end. Um, you claim uh, he, he claims he was responsible for for decide. Okay, that failed you in the end. I'm trying to understand how a guy has so many f's on the report card and he still remains a part of the organization. And I think this goes back to your point that this this organization cares a lot about showing signs of strength amongst their peers. Well, uh, you know, there's part of that. Like, they won 11 games. I mean, how many teams won 11 games this season? Not many. Um, you know, and how we kind of talked about this. Um, you know, they're very process-driven over results, and you got to be very careful um, to assume um, a poor result is just automatically, um, you know, with these higher educated types when it comes to problem solving, they'll always tell you making good decisions doesn't guarantee good results. Um, That's true. But the more good decisions you make, the more good results you'll get. Um and that's what they talk about process over over results because there's a million things that can go wrong in a football game that cause you to lose a football game. Doesn't mean you made a bad decision. Seattle's a perfect example of that. Not necessarily a bad decision by Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. Poor execution by the quarterback. Not necessarily, and it costs you a football game. You get better execution, they might win the game. You're and, and a bunch of things don't happen. It sort of had a butterfly effect. So Howie kind of mentioned that you got to be very careful um, when you when you talk about stuff like that. But you also have to be very honest with yourself and um, make sure you're doing things the right way. And I think the Eagles have a history of doing things the right way, with the exception. Uh, playing into this nonsense of we didn't meet expectations, um, so somebody's got to pay for it. Um, maybe the expectations were wrong. Mm. Nobody brings that up. I mean, look, but that, but, I, but John, I, that I, would I, force I, them to look in the mirror. That would force them to look into the mirror. And I think that's, in my personal opinion, I think that has been a struggle for Lori and Howie as of late. I think they've struggled with that. Well, the 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 assumption that they were a Super Bowl team. Um, now, granted, it I'm not talking about when they were ten and one because then it recalibrates. I'm talking about coming into the season it was absurd. I picked them to win 12 or 11 games. They won 11. Um, they lost five defensive starters. They lost both coordinators. You know, sometimes I think 
The only difference between Jeffrey Lurie and a WIP caller is a bunch of zeros at the end of his bank account <laughs> because he acts similarly when it comes to emotion. Um, you know, the, the, the assumption, Jody and I would hear it all the time. Well, we, we would talk about how good Shane was as a play caller last year. Oh, it's not going to matter. We heard that all the time. Uh, same team, same offense, not going to matter. Matter. It mattered. Uh, Gannon was even more because they hated Gannon. It was like, oh, we got to get better than Gannon. We we got to get better than Gannon. Gannon's terrible. Anybody would be better than Gannon. Right now, they're Gannon's the, looking like a blessing. <laughs> they're the number two defense in the freaking NFL, and this year they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. So yeah, it could get better. It could get worse. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. The Eagles should have realized. All right, okay. maybe, maybe the expectations were out of whack, and now you got to reboot the whole thing again. So now you had to replace. It's not their fault they had to replace two coordinators because that's the way this league works. They had a bunch of success. They lost good coaches. You got to replace them. You didn't let them grow on the job. One, you didn't even let finish the season. The other one, you blew out after the season. Now you got to start over again. Now, Bick is a veteran. Uh, he'll be fine. I assume they're going to hire a veteran offensive coordinator. We'll see how that shakes out. Vic Fangio out. is a foregone conclusion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's a foregone conclusion. And In fact, you know, Miami, ironically, could probably – try to get the Eagles for tampering, but they don't give a shit. <laughs> so I probably said thank you. Because um, they were paying them four and a half million dollars, and Mike McDaniel would rather have Brandon Staley anyway. So they're like, oh, we can get rid of this contract, this albatross, the highest um, coordinator contract in NFL history. We can hire this guy for probably $3 million less mm -hmm. that the head coach likes better. Um, and they said, oh, you want to go back to Philadelphia? Go to Philadelphia. So, yeah, Vic's going to be here. Um, and he'll be better than Sean. But, you know, you, you better get him some personnel. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. At the end of the day, it's all about the personnel. Um, John, before we get out of here, um, I want to pick your brain. And we have uh, over 400 people watching us right now. It's pretty cool. Make sure you guys uh, smash that like button and also make sure you guys uh, continue to stay locked in on the content. We appreciate you. Uh, it means a lot to us. Um, John, I want to pick your brain real quick before we get out of here. I want to pick your brain about uh, the infamous uh, quote-unquote hit piece that our guy Joe Santelaquito put out there on Bleeding Green Nation. Shout out to my guy Joe Um Had the pleasure of meeting him at the Maxwell Awards, uh, I think, last year. Um, true to form, um, as advertised, cool guy. Um, I had the opportunity to read the article. I would imagine you have as well. Um, Give me some of your thoughts um, after reading Joe's article, uh, in particular as it pertains to uh, Jalen Hurts and, and his standing um, with the Eagles organization. And then we can kind of peel back the layers from there. Well, I didn't think it was a hit piece, by the way. Same um, here, by the way. I, I didn't um, think so either. Yeah. Um, by the way, I got thrown off 
different players on defense. Somebody said in the chat, John, I just said they had five new starters. I said it, I say it all the time. John, you know, no one listens. Come on. I, they I, listen, I, but they don't listen. I say it all the freaking time. That's the whole point. That's why they had no shot of being the same. Uh, yeah, I get frustrated. Sorry, Tom. Is it me too? Uh, which me shows, too, but we had to, we have to be Zen. It's hard. We have to be Zen. Yeah. Which shows, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a hit piece, but because he did the Carson Wentz thing, everybody compares it. Um, of course, that that was that was scathing, but not the the the, the Hurts yeah, thing. But, just it, just seemed but, like, but, but it it turned out to be all true. So I don't, you know, um, but Jalen, the stuff is stoic. Jalen said this a clean out day. You know, when people call him stoic and too even keeled and all that. Everything's fine when he's winning. He's a great leader. He's a hard worker when he's winning. When he's not winning, it's, oh, he's got, he's too stoic. He's too, um, um, too calm. He's got to brow people. He's the same guy, same guy, win, lose, or draw. He's got to improve on the field. He's got to get back to where he was. That's the concern with me. Um, he took, um, a negative direction. Maybe some of it had to do with injuries, uh, but he did not play as well this season as he did last season. It's another reason why the Eagles, the Eagles had so many career years. We talked about it on defense, so many career years in 2022. We never talk about it on offense. Most notably, Jalen Hurts had a career year. What you, what you have to hope is 2021-2023 Jalen Hurts is not the standard, more so the baseline. Exactly. Like the, uh, yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think I would agree with you on that. For me, I always looked at the 2021-2023 output as like the floor. You know what I mean? A guy that can get you to a and wild card. Not, yeah, and if it's not the floor, if it is the floor – then you got some issues. Then you got some I, I, excuse me. If it's not the floor, then you got some issues. Right. Um, if that's his pinnacle mean, not right, pinnacle. Mean. We you are, I'm sorry, you're right. I'm sorry. You're, we've seen the pinnacle we, outside we, of not winning, but yeah, we've seen that. If that's if that's his mean, it's an issue. Um, he's got to play better. Um, doesn't have to be runner up for the MVP. Um, but he's got to be top 10 quarterback on the verge of being the top five quarterback. And I, I don't think he was down the stretch. I don't even think he was close to being top 10, never mind top five. So wow. what happened? Why? Well, blame it on Brian Johnson. We'll see. Well, let me ask you this, right? Um, I, I, I've tried, I try to think a little deeper when it comes to Jalen Hurts' um, uh, dissension. How much do you buy into this? You know, Jalen Hurts, a lot changed for him over the past 12 months. The new contract, um, new opportunities. Obviously, your team and his, uh, you know, his, his, you know, the people he counsels with, um, they want to capitalize on the new fame, the notoriety. You know, he's, you know, being asked to appear here, uh, show up here, speak to these people. And you're being pulled in so many different directions except for actually on the football field. And Jalen Hurts strikes me as the kind of player who's very regimented. He's very routine reliant. Um, we all know Jalen Hurts 
doesn't do anything necessarily exceptionally well, but lead. But um, he's a hard worker, and I think that's and I think that's where his success truly comes from. Not not necessarily the talent part of it, because he he's talented. Don't get it twisted. You got to be you got to be talented on some level to be in the league. But I just feel like when I think about him in comparison to his peers, Jalen Hurts seems like someone who's very reliant on routine, and his success is very reliant on the strength of his routine. And I personally believe his routine was thrown off this past offseason um, because of all the changes that happened in his life. Not saying that he became a different person, not saying that the money changed him, because I don't believe that. I just believe with the new opportunities, with the new notoriety, he was being pulled in, in many directions other than the football field. Um, when you hear that, um, how much stock do you put into it? And do you think, and also do you buy into the narrative that he's very routine dependent? Well, he's very routine dependent when it comes to the work ethic start of it. The other stuff, no, I don't I don't buy into it because that's part of being a franchise quarterback. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is doing every commercial under the sun and um, you know, eating chicken well, nuggies, chicken nuggies with uh Andy Reid and doing everything else. That's, that, and, that's true, but remember what I said, the talent part of it, right? Mahomes' well, talent is uncanny. I'm yeah, I'm not, I I mean but I mean that's just you you can go back to Eli Manning who's you know Jalen's got more talent than Eli Manning. Um you know, he's doing citizen watch commercials in the prime of his career. It's just part of it. Um that I mean he better get over it or you know, he's not gonna be a franchise quarterback that people want to market. Um, so you either perform or you don't perform. Right. And that's, um, just, and again, that's just, that's, that's just me trying to be empathetic to the athlete, right? Trying to understand that, you know, there's 24 hours in a day and when you have more opportunity because of your notoriety, you, your time now is being allocated differently. I would imagine. Well, then it's gotta be better at time management. Um, you know, I, I can't use that as an excuse. Okay. Um, he was playing well this year. What one of the things is just clean up the turnovers. Okay. Number one. And I think you're fine. Um, you know, people were crapping all over Dak last year because he had a um turnover centric year, shall we say. And I said, Well, history says he doesn't turn it over a lot, and it'll probably go back to normal this season. And it did and he played poorly in the playoffs again. But <laughs> in the regular season, he was tremendous. Um, History never fails, right? He, he played strongly in the regular season. The playoffs yeah. come, he turned back into Dak Pumpkin Prescott. But he doesn't turn it over a lot. Um, right. And that was that was Jalen's reputation as well. Right. Even um, in college, he didn't really turn the ball over that much. No. Very ball security conscious, and I think that'll return to a little bit uh, of, of – normal more normal next year and i think that takes care of a lot of problems i also think he was banged up and maybe mm. we'll hear about that later down the road there was some limitations he didn't look as explosive running the football um and maybe we'll find something out about that maybe we won't but if he's healthier i think that'll play into it but he's got to get better i mean there's you know people are giving him a pass and he, he was a big issue down the stretch and, you know, 
it's interesting because we talk about the blitz and how the Eagles handled it. It's a lot of that on the quarterback as well. Okay. A lot of that on the quarterback. And the Eagles did the same things last year when they were successful, not well now in 2022. Same things. Same things. They just did it better. Um, they're not great with um, site adjustments, hot routes, and that's got that's the quarterback, man. And they weren't great with Shane, and they weren't great with Brian because that's on the quarterback. Okay. And on that note, Eagles fans, I think we figured out what the main thing uh, Jalen Hurts should definitely keep as the main thing, and that's working on those side adjustments and those blitz pickups. Um, John, as always, um, I appreciate you, my man, of always taking time off of the show. I know you're a busy guy. I know the Eagles keep you, um, you know, ramp, running rampant uh, on these uh, Philadelphia slash New Jersey streets. And, um, again, I appreciate you for always taking the time out. Uh, Eagles fans, make sure you guys smash that like button. Also, make sure you guys all, always remain engaged in the content. You guys can check John out on Birds 365 on, on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. And also um, check him out. Um, he does a lot of great writing um, on, uh, I believe, uh, si.com and uh, jacobsports.com as well. So, uh, Eagles fans, we appreciate you. Uh, you guys are locked in on football 24-7 with John McMullen, and I'm your guy, Tony Shields II. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.